It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Dealer No Deal Island host Joe Manganiello all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. I'm Mari Forth. And I'm Sarah Carradine, podcasting from unceded Gadigal land. And this is Crime Scene, a true crime review podcast where we get to the heart of how true crime stories are told. So let's open up today's file. We watched The Dropout. Well, he sure did. And we also have someone with us who also watched The Dropout. Uh, we're most chuffed to have this podcaster, variety streamer, and outspoken bon viveur, and my companion on the dark walk, Kirsten McKinnis. Hi, Kirsten. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, you know, it's about time, six episodes in, to have me on Crime Scene, but I'm so excited to be Jadis. here. Yes. <laughs> As if we haven't been planning this for literally months. Now, careful. <laughs> <laughs> so what draws you to true crime, Kirsten? Well, I think, uh, like most other people um first first of all my mother was a huge true crime person and so there was a lot of you know murder shows and documentaries Mm -hmm. on in my house growing up one of the first ones I remember is it was that it was a movie on A&E um I think it was just called the Green River Killer and it was about Mm. how um they had used interviews with Ted Bundy to solve the like to create the profile for the Green River Killer case that ultimately ended up being accurate um, but also, uh, and Mari's talked about this before, uh, I'm a deeply anxious person. And I think anxious <laughs> people are drawn to true crime because you think if you know about the crimes, if you know about what like tactics people use, you can protect yourself and you can defend yourself. So uh, I'm always looking for ways to not die. And so that goes to true crime. <laughs> Exactly that, exactly that. And we are so happy to have you here, Kirsten, because like we love getting together with people who love true crime as much as we do. But we also like to just talk about some scam stuff. Like it feels like scams are in. What do you feel? feel how do you feel about that, Kirsten? Do you, you feel like there's an uptick of less murdery true, true crime? Yeah, so I think, like, if you want to look for a murder show, a murder podcast, murder content, it's out there. And it will Mm, always be out there because um, us true crime freaks like myself, we will consume all of that content. And we will consume the same cases over and over, just looking for a new piece. Mm -hmm. Um, Come a but, it is amazing (laughs) to, you know, read, watch, consume content that's not about someone being dead at the end of it right (laughs) Um, and so I feel like it kind of scratches that itch without putting you into like a truly morbid situation I think this fraud in particular is a little bit more iffy because uh, of the medical component Mm -hmm. to it uh, makes it a little bit I think more scary than when people just lose money yeah exactly Mm -hmm. very sinister um But the thing with fraudsters is they will keep doing frauds. There will always be people (laughs) running scams and there will always be people doing frauds because they get away with like a small scam 
Mm-hmm. And then they think, okay, well, I could do a little more. I could do a little more until at some point it just turns into how Theranos was in this example, right? And so I'm loving it. I, I'm loving the scam trend. I know like Scam Goddess is a great podcast that just Love goes on into podcast. scams. Yeah. Um, Ooh, and that, yes. yeah, that content is, it's here and it's Day amazing. One. And I'm so grateful for it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Elizabeth Holmes isn't going to be allowed to run a business for 10 years. years. I'm jumping ahead. That surprised me. I would have thought never, but then (laughs) we must come with forgiveness. So in another 10 years, let's see uh, what she has uh, come up with. Well, also, how long she's in prison, right? Because she hasn't been sentenced yet. So, So, yeah, we are talking about the dropout. So, this is one of those things we've been amping it up for a few weeks. Uh, this is one of the things I really wanted to talk about. There's been plenty of like podcasts about it. There's been plenty of um, documentaries about it. And of course, like we said here at Crime Scene, we're uh, we're examining the property itself. Like, how did they present the characters? How did they present Elizabeth Holmes herself as a character, Sunny? Um, how did they present the crime and stuff like that? But I also like upfront am going to say. I am a medical laboratory scientist. So the thing that got me about not just the dropout, but I followed this case when it first started, like when she first started getting that limelight in 2015, when I first heard about what she was claiming she could do, I was like, there's no, there's no way she can do this. Like she shouldn't have gotten this far ahead. All any of those people had to do was talk to one medical laboratory scientist and they would have told you from jump that what she's claiming her technology can do is impossible. And we kind of see that in some of those earlier episodes that we'll get into. But um, this is one of those topics I really want to talk about because I literally have firsthand like experience with um tests that are point of care testing, uh, uh, laboratory regulations, stuff like that. So I'm very excited to um, jump in and kind of bring some sort of expertise to it. But again, as always um, on podcasting, you know, take everything with a grain of salt and do your own research. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but also like uh, if a scientist who is an expert in in the matter is giving you the information dress that mm-hmm. a little bit more if you're not a scientist <laughs> mm-hmm. yes, yeah exactly. just because just because you know there's that there's balanced reporting where we have one person for and one person against on these talking head shows it mm-hmm. really should be a hundred for and one against or the other way around <laughs> uh, so also look at that like where is the preponderance of of the the opinion of the experts i'm not a science expert um but uh, I would. Uh, my father was a scientist, a marine biologist. Uh-huh. So you know, if you want to know anything about crustaceans, let me know. <laughs> but um, yeah, That's it's the quickest very... way to cook them, so I can eat them. Well, the one thing I will say is don't cook them alive. But um, there you go. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's it was fascinating to me, and I wanted to take a step back before we start going into full spoilers of the dropout. Uh-huh. I just wanted to take a step back too. Let's talk about capitalism, which we absolutely <laughs> love to do. Um, I'm ready. Just so, a, uh, one you're step. ready? Okay. One yeah, step. Yeah, I'm ready for this. <laughs> All the tests that she, you know, claims is from a drop of blood. Part part of the appeal is that it's a drop of blood and not a vial of blood. Okay. Right. I mean, I haven't been stuck a hundred times, but I I have, you know, given blood uh, for both testing and and as a donation. It doesn't bother me. I know it bothers some people, but let's right. just take a step back to the price. So I can go to any 
any medical testing place, not any, I can get my blood tested for nothing is what I'm trying to say. That's the punchline. I live in Australia. We have socialised medicine. Yes, I could be with an expensive private doctor and they could send the tests to expensive private uh, pathology labs and it could cost me lots of money. But we have a system called Medicare, which means I can see a doctor for free. I can go to the hospital for free. I can go in an ambulance for free. And one of the things I can do for free X-rays uh, and blood mm. testing. Wait, stop so, bragging! Oh my god, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm looking over here like uh, I know. Sorry, <laughs> we have look, we have a, we have we have a lot of we have a lot of political problems, which uh, it's not the place of this podcast to go into now. But what struck me more watching the dropout than it had consuming previous properties, like the the um, uh, which we'll mention at the end, uh, documentaries and podcasts, was the appeal of the inexpensive blood test. Now, if blood tests were free, that appeal would be gone. Um, and I know you have socialised medicine there in Canada, Kirsten. Can you talk to cost there? Yeah, so we do have, you know, socialised Medicare here, um, but it's not to the same extent as uh, Australia from what you've said. Uh, I I can go to the doctor and they can requisition a blood test and I the doctor appointment's free, the blood test is free, all of that is fine. And now if you go to Life Labs, you can even like get your number so you can look at your own results after, which I just so cool. Not that I can read my results because I, I'm not a scientist, but it's still cool <laughs> to see. And like, it's interesting because like some stuff is like, there's like a normal range, but maybe you're like at the bottom yes. of that, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. However, it's not to the same extent as you, because if I needed to take an ambulance, I would have to pay for that ambulance. Um, and like, may, does my insurance through my work cover that? Maybe. I don't know. Um, I'm very grateful that I haven't had to be in an ambulance any, any time. Yeah, yeah right? exactly. So, uh, it's yeah. it's not to the same extent. It doesn't cover um, anything dental. It doesn't cover like the optometrist. It doesn't cover mental health issues. Um, so it's very interesting that they call it universal healthcare because last time I checked, my brain, eyes, and mouth are part of my body. <laughs> uh, but it is definitely a preferable system to the states where uh, nothing is free. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, look so at before we- I get. Before I get added by Australians, yes, look, the system isn't perfect. Uh, people are waiting on the public lists for things. So if you wanted to get your knee replaced, you're going to be waiting a very long time uh, unless you pay uh, the bucks. So it is still a have and a have not, and we we uh, have an extremely bad uh, record on Indigenous uh, health matters. What my point is is if blood tests in America didn't cost an arm and a leg and a vein, would the appeal of the one drop of blood system be so uh, great? Um, because I don't know that the, the the drawing of a vial of blood is enough to have made this um, sensation. Mary, what do you think? So uh, coming from uh, the States, uh, our you know health system over here is a hot mess. It is the wild, wild west. Basically, you either um, get your health care through your employer and normally you don't have many options going that route or you go private by picking your own health care at exorbitant amount of cost, depending on, you know, uh, what your 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 current health is or you go Medicare, Medicaid, which is supposed to help, you know, um, people who are um less fortunate when it comes to money, but, you know, oftentimes can still be abused. So 
we pay for ambulances. We pay for all of that. We pay for, for all of it. And it's, it's all just a, a competition on how to get that patient to pay as much as possible, truly. Um, and as somebody who's in the health, the healthcare system and the healthcare field, I've seen it firsthand, how it can um, affect patient, not only patient like results, but just their patient future. Like a lot of people, like uh, when people start, talk about COVID, right. They talk about, you know, oh, there's a, you know, the the chance that you survive is really high. That's fine. But what they don't talk about is the chance that, say, you do make it to the hospital, right? Not even, say it's just not even you get intubated or anything like that. Just say you're in the hospital for a few days due to COVID. They don't tell you how much those bills that you rack up if you're in that hospital can, can follow you and make you poor. There's a saying that, like, um, we're all one uh, bad health diagnosis away from the poorhouse here in America, because it's true. If something were to happen to you and you don't have the savings or if it's just so detrimental, like, um, you know, cancer treatment or anything that's um, chronic treatments, you can literally end up with nothing. So the system is broken and, you know, the way to fix it, I tr- <laughs> Baby, I don't know. Um, so, and it allows investors and entrepreneurs like Elizabeth Holmes to take advantage of that. You know, for me today, I will probably be doing a lot of dancing around because I work for a current company who is leading in healthcare diagnosis and rapid testing. Don't even know if I should have said that much. So, um, you know, I'm going to come from it from a, a level of expertise while also trying to not lose my job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and the, the other thing, too, um, is I think that it's two separate issues, Sarah. On the one hand, um, the one drop of blood is like a very appealing marketing campaign. And for the yes. people um, such as like the cancer patients or people who are afraid of needles or anything like that, it's very appealing to think like, I don't have to get a needle ever ever again right? right and then on the other hand there's the complete capitalist argument of well this is a private enterprise and they're going to make all this money and if obama's like medicare act comes in yep. as i mentioned on the show more people will be able to get it so now we'll make even more money like off of those poor people so it's just like all mm-hmm. of that conflates to create a perfect storm for elizabeth holmes to just completely manipulate and uh you know deceive people and it's it's just wild i'm so glad that all of this got exposed before covid happened because i I was thinking that you would have done with with the the pandemic i'm sure the company would have probably rose to like 90 billion Mm dollars and like maybe there would have been less oversight because all the healthcare workers are so right like you've no idea what would have happened so i'm just so relieved that she was Mm -hmm. caught and stopped before that yeah, yeah, because some of this, one of the, a couple of the sources for Washington, the Washington Post um, journalist who broke the story in uh, 2015, John Carreyrou, uh, some of them were uh, were healthcare professionals, doctors who had the time. I mean, as you say, to compare results. So mm-hmm. patients of theirs got the Walgreens Wellness Center results. Uh, 
referred back to their doctor, which some people wouldn't have done. They would have simply gone on with that, that with that information and worked yep. as if that information was correct. But uh-huh. some of them did come back to their healthcare professionals, their doctors who can interpret the results and said, this is not right. In fact, there was one person whose potassium levels were so high, uh, they would actually be dead. So that couldn't be right. So they ordered the standard tests and were able to make the comparison. So as you say, I mean, can you imagine during the pandemic how stretched um, our wonderful, wonderful healthcare workers were uh, to, to the brink? And so the ability to have that moment to stop down and compare results perhaps would have been completely gone. I mean, having said all that, she started with a great idea, right? It's a fantastic no. idea. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not. It's, it's, it's impossible. Like she started with an idea that is appealing to people that people want. And so, you mm-hmm. know what? Do the research fine. Like, if that's you can do if you can get investors for your research cool however startups fail all of the time ideas that at first seem appealing end up not working out all of the time but what doesn't happen all the time is the complete fraud and deception that pushes something forward um, for profits above all else Uh, especially like especially in the healthcare field. Um, yeah. I did also uh, just want to correct Sarah. I believe John Carrier was at the Wall Street Journal. Just yes, oh, what did I say? Like I'm sorry. Of, yeah, of yeah thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, the yes. Wall Street Journal. Uh, yes, not Washington Post. Uh, pardon so, me, yes. John. So we were doing a great job. So the crime itself was Elizabeth Holmes basically promised that she could uh, test a multitude of tests from a drop of blood using a small portable instrument. She then patent uh what from the beginning was what was supposed to be like microfluidic technology mm-hmm. in order to do this um and then she went finding investors creating a board to the point where what was it 700 million dollars was invested 700 into, million yes yeah mm-hmm. r&d research also from the walgreens um she had a, a contract with, she eventually got a contract with Walgreens in order to create wellness centers in their Walgreens where they could put the instrument and the instrument could give them the results. Um, she did say that this was supposed to be, not only was it just from a single drop of blood, did they have a, a like a menu of a hundred different analytes, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. but it was also supposed to be cost efficient and speedy from what i understand she even said in some of the first few episodes that um lab and quest diagnostic labs um rule about what she say like 80 or 90 percent of the the laboratory market which is all this is all very true um but the reason why they do that is because those are specialized labs that are now all they're all over the country and you send out results to those labs for small physicians offices or clinics that can't do that laboratory work in their facility, be it because they don't have what's called a CLIA license or they don't have their own laboratory. They will um, follow that lab's um, collection process. Like uh, if we're talking about a uh, lab core, lab core will tell them if you want to run a potassium, you have to collect this in this certain tube this way, and then you would ship it to them. And then they would then a few days later, give you the results back and they would normally give the patient results on a computer or whatever they're doing now. She said she wanted to to disrupt this in industry. And I just thought it was really funny because she ended up basically becoming like a third. She did the exact same thing that LabCorp and, and Quest mm-hmm. ends up doing. And we'll talk about that a little later, but yeah, the crime, the crime truly is not only did she um, 
steal millions of dollars from her board of investors, um, from Walgreens. But she also let her uh, erroneous results be um, sent out to patients, like uh, Kirsten had said, to the point where, you know, uh, patient patient lives were affected, you know, Um and that, that to me is the real crime. That's not the crime she's getting charged for. Of no, course not. Yeah. You know? <laughs> wild, what's wild to me is like um, when proving the wire fraud and conspiracy to commit wire fraud, which are the actual charges um, that she's charged and convicted of, uh, within that is embedded just a complete lack of patient care and, you know, mm-hmm. ethics violations. And so to me, it's actually... And it's not surprising because obviously money is what people care about, but like you'd think that there would be some sort of neglect or other charge that she could have received with regards to the people she put at risk. People got incorrect, um, like loss of pregnancy readings. People got incorrect cancer diagnosis. Like it's truly so messed up, like every single side of it. When I tell you there, there are only a few fireable offenses, like in the lab, like there are like, there are some things where it's like, you know, oh, oh, we messed that up. Let's just admit to it and keep it moving and, you know, just, you know, redo the result and stuff like that. Pregnancy, loss of pregnancy, HCG level results. That is one of those things that if you mess that up, you can get fired. Like I've seen mm. it happen like recently. Like that is one of those things telling a like uh because what it is is when you're reporting that a pregnant person say say you're reporting that a pregnant person has a zero HCG, you're basically telling that person that they lost their pregnancy. And you have to check. That's why when HCG levels come across like a chemistry analyzer. Normally, nine times out of 10, you have to check those, even if they're within normal, normal range, um, as we would say, because you have to double check and make sure that that is correct. If an HCG result comes that's really high, it'll actually reflex to do a repeat testing on most standard laboratories, because that is one of those results that doctors truly do um, base a lot of their diagnosis off of. So when I saw that at the end credits, I was like, oh, and then the HIV. Oh my God. And then when they talked about the TSH levels, I know this is kind of like um, a lot of science for some people, but that is like, I'm trying to think if I could put it into to sports terms because you just cannot let stuff like that filter well, out. It, it's the thing too, we're <laughs> just thinking about, like I think any person, regardless of their scientific knowledge can think, if you don't have cancer and a doctor <laughs> tells you, you have cancer, think about like think about that like yeah. has wait have people seen the movie the last holiday where queen latifah mm. thinks that she's dying and then it turns out she was not dying because of a faulty medical test there pretty sure go. that doctor got sued you know <laughs> yes. um but there is i believe also um i'm not i don't even know what the status of this is wasn't there was a class action lawsuit against theranos though right for the uh victims i I believe that that is the case so hopefully people are getting their money well she's getting sued by the board i'm sorry go go there the board tried to do a class action lawsuit which is complete bullshit and not within the realm of what a class action lawsuit is supposed to do these 
freaking rich people. Sorry, Sarah. <laughs> you can yeah. say freaking. Oh, you can say freaking. It's uh, I'm not that delicate. I was just going to stop down on wire fraud because it is it is very notable that uh, she and Sunny Balwani ha- were charged with several counts of, of wire fraud and conspiracy to commit wire fraud. I'm sure everybody listening to us knows what that is, but just to remind you, it's when it's punishable by prison or crime, which is great. It's when you make a fraud, make a fraud, do a fraud, mm, commit a fraud, fraud. Um, by using a form of telecommunication or the internet. So that's where the wire part comes in. The fraud is fraud and the wire part is, could be telephone, telex, fax message, telex, ask your grandparents. Um, (laughs) Any electronic form. So in case anyone was thinking, well, what's the difference? Um, If you con someone to their, if you defraud someone to their face, that's, that's fraud. If you do it over uh, uh, any any electronic means, it's wire fraud. It's all the mm. same. It's being completely heartless and deliberately defrauding people. And the interesting thing that Elizabeth Holmes uh, rested some of her her defence on was, "I'm the CEO. I didn't read every email." Right. The whole I don't know. I'm not sure. Like that was yeah. right. out of here. Um, I think. I think we've kind of covered the crime pretty much and we'll go in more in depth. Let's talk about the show itself. So, yes. Yeah. So if you want to hear an episode, episode by episode breakdown, you can go over to the post show recaps. They're doing a great job of covering the dropout. Uh, they did episode, they did it episodically, but what we're going to do is I really kind of want to break down the characters and the acting in this and how we think it's stacked up to other like docu dramas. Um, we have to start with Amanda Seyfried as Elizabeth Holmes. Kirsten, start us off. What She's, did you think about Amanda's performance? She is incredible. The way that she played Elizabeth Holmes, I thought was so beautiful. I feel like, um, while obviously we went over the case and, you know, there's arguments to be made about, you know, how accurately the, the dropout uh, covers the full you know, chain of events. Um, But the way they present uh, Elizabeth is kind of like, you know, she started off, she always was really ambitious, wanted to be a billionaire. She Mm -hmm. had an idea, it got out of control, and then she kind of is corrupted by, you know, the power and money, and then that makes things worse. To me, that's how she's presented on the show. Mm -hmm. I don't know to what extent that's really accurate to, you know, Elizabeth Holmes. Uh, But I just think that she brought such beautiful nuance. Um, I loved how they would show her practicing in the mirror, things that she would say, (laughs) how she would be repeating things over and over again. Um, Obviously not a medical doctor, cannot diagnose anybody with anything, but uh, I feel like when you see her doing that, it just kind of goes to show how like divorced from normal people she is. Like, Mm -hmm. and I don't know what the cause of that is. And I wouldn't even pretend to guess. Uh, And I really, I really like that. Like, I feel like they really just captured the like strange nature of elizabeth holmes because if you watch any footage of like a real elizabeth holmes you're like oh my god like what is uh-huh. what is this how does she fool people and i feel like amanda Seyfried did it so well right and i and i really want to know like like was it just being in her presence that got all these people you know what i'm saying because we talk about this with all of these fraudsters right like it's always something about them that makes people want to give them money. And, mm. you know, and I, I just wonder, because every time I, everything I've seen about her, she's just been weird to me, but that's because I, I'm as somebody who knows, knew that she was a fraud 
and immediately when I heard the idea, I never gave her like that benefit of doubt, but I would, I would really love to like, know, is it the mystery of it? Is it just that people don't understand the technology? So they're like, if this is true, if what she's promising is true, this is a miracle. Yeah. I mean, I think the medical technology thing is, it's so huge. Everyone's looking for the thing that will work. They want to invest in the thing that will work. But also I think what, what, um, Amanda Seyfried gives us, I mean, wonderful performance. Her physicality is incredible. Yes. The way she runs, the way she dances, the way mm-hmm. she gees herself up. Even when we see her later surrounded by her bodyguards, the forward carriage of the head is extraordinary. I, I think what they give us, what they hint at, what they are subtle about is you have to be in her presence to get it. I mean, everyone yeah. talks about how magnetic she is. Uh, it must be said there is a gender thing going on because it seems that older men are more likely, mind you, older men are the ones with the money, so like who can mm-hmm. say. But, but it's I think, also in like Silicon Valley where there are lots of young yeah. people with money too. Yeah, that's true. So I think I think it's it's a combination of the idea is very succulent. The idea is very attractive. Uh, people are tuned to believe these geniuses behave slightly oddly. So perhaps her odd behavior was almost like a badge. Ah, yes, she belongs with um, these odd geniuses. And certainly after she started wearing the odd genius uniform, (laughs) which is the black uh, turtleneck, um, you know, wear the same thing every day means your beautiful big brain can can work really hard on all these other things instead of what you're wearing. Um, so I think there was a combination and also there's something very intoxicating about young people with a passion. When they speak passionately about their passions, there's something very endearing and exciting about it. So I think she had that combo. And also let's not forget she came from a very privileged background. Her father worked for she had a long history of, of of wealth in her family, I believe. Right. Her father worked for Enron, Enron and yeah. was obviously uh, involved in that collapse or was affected by that collapse when she was a teenager. And I mm-hmm. think that that can affect someone. Certainly the way the show presents her, she wanted to be a millionaire and to have a big idea. And those were mm-hmm. the things driving her rather than coming the other way around with, oh, what if this interesting thing could happen and then building on that. So I think they show that very well as well. And, I mean, it has to be said that performance is is absolutely incredible. Amazing. Like the just the voice. And and it was weird because it's like I, I, I was thinking, I know I'm looking at Amanda Seyfried, but I feel like I am like immersed in this. Like she did such mm-hmm. a great job that I, I, I did lose her in that performance, which is really hard to do when you have a well-known actress trying to uh, portray a, a, a character of a person. And so a well-known I, person too, right? Like yes. she was a well-known actress playing a well-known character. Yes, exactly. That's why normally with like biopics, I love when like they just get an unknown actor to play it because I think it's so much easier for me to believe it. Like they've turned into that person when it's somebody I don't know, but I thought she did an amazing job. And Elizabeth as a character. So can we talk about like the first few episodes, like the first like three to four episodes, right? We get, you know, we get her seeing her, her father, the, the fall of Enron. We get her, I just, Overly idolizing Steve Jobs. The um, poster in her room. I I just cannot <laughs> imagine 
any teenage girl at any point in their lives being like, you know who I want a poster of? No, it's not NSYNC. It's not the Backstreet Boys. It's not New Kids on the Block. No, it's Steve Jobs. I want a Steve Jobs poster by my bed. Creep shit. Makes no sense. Like, truly, truly makes no sense. And I think she did a good job of, like, convincing everybody around her that she wanted to change the world. But I'm not so sure she wanted to. I think she just wanted the fame, the status, the, the, well, of course we said she, she'd been said she wanted to be a billionaire. She, she said she wants to change the world, but did you? Because we see that when it starts to crumble, you don't care about the patients that you can be affecting or putting by putting out erroneous results. You kind of just care about being the face of a, of a multi-billion dollar company. So I thought, and this was one of the, I was like, I am Phyllis Gardner. Phyllis Gardner is me. Yeah. When she went Love to Phyllis, Phyllis, when she went to Phyllis Gardner that first time when she was still in school, talking about that patch, and Phyllis laughed in front of her face. I was like, "Thank you." That would have been me. Um. So one of Elizabeth's correct me correct me if I get this wrong, guys. Um. But one of uh of Elizabeth Holmes's first thoughts or patents was to have a patch on somebody's like arm or something that could monitor yeah. I don't their... know if she actually patented that but in mm-hmm. the show it's presented as that was the first idea that she brought forward yes. and weirdly enough her first professor who is literally a scientist is like oh yeah you should go talk to like what um and it was so it was a patch that was supposed to um diagnose what's wrong with you and administer meds and monitor if the meds are working in a patch in a patch (laughs) yeah yeah phyllis gardner who who is 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 all of us uh and uh, she's she's an absolute trick when you see her in the the real phyllis gardner but beautifully played uh here uh is skeptical perhaps as a teacher she would have been more encouraging but you would think the intellectual rigor of stanford would require uh the professors to say that's not going to work go away and make something else elizabeth holmes not prepared to wait 19 not prepared to wait she's also not elizabeth holmes professor right Mm, like this meeting was a favor to a friend who was Mm -hmm. elizabeth's professor and it just like Maybe it could have been more delicate, whatever, but like you can't just let like because there are things that will work and there are things that will not work. And she makes a very good point that science is in the trying things until you find the one that will work. Mm -hmm. And uh, Elizabeth is just not willing to face failure whatsoever. Yes, Um, exactly. So I but I, I agreed like. When when Phyllis Gardner when Phyllis Gardner said, you know, this patch would have to like carry reagents uh, in it against body heat and body temperature. I laughed so hard as a laboratorian because keeping reagents at the proper temperature is like the hardest thing you can do when it comes to um, not, it's not hard to do it, but it's, it is the, it is the one thing you have to make sure is done because if your reagents are not properly stored or up to temp, then it doesn't matter anything else. That test is going to be wrong. And so I, I just, I just found Phyllis very funny. And I thought we had seen the last of her because I think what it was is Elizabeth's original professor. He was a chemical engineering professor. And again, they were working on microfluidics, but they weren't working on diagnostic, um, 
I think he didn't know about like how to approach diagnostically. So that's mm-hmm. why he told her to go to Phyllis. And mm-hmm. Phyllis told her to like, you know, keep keep going, you know. Well, he ended up working for her at Theranos. Right. Giving and up, I feel giving, giving up tenure. Giving up tenure at Stanford to go can, to a startup. It's extraordinary. Mari, can I ask you a science question with, uh, while we're on the topic of the patch and everything? So um, I was talking about all this with my boyfriend and we were really trying to break down how everything was. And I was like, to me, the temperature situation for like medications, reagents, vaccines, et cetera, that is like the major issue right now in the world yes. of like, can we keep vaccines at the right temperature to go to, you know, places that might not have yes. refrigeration, right? So to mm-hmm. me, the money idea is finding out a way to stabilize things at higher temperatures um, rather than going in for the diagnostics and testing. And so I was like, wouldn't that be like the well, actual smart idea? I know it's it's probably not possible the way that she mm-hmm. would do it anyways but i was just like does that make more sense i guess people don't think about money and like providing things to the global south but. well it's all chemistry because no matter what um molecules and certain certain things are stable at certain temperatures so no matter how you put it and how much you want to try and manipulate it it just comes down to pure chemistry some analytes some reagents some solutions just cannot be stable at certain temperatures like it's just it's just impossible you know what i'm saying so uh i don't know what we that would be um something that we could try and target to see if like hey can can we like maybe see if this can be stored at shelf life can this be um stored refrigerated like but that is that is one of the main things that when you go through fda approval and you go through um when you do uh, peer reviews, that's one of the first things that they always test is like, where is the stable? And it's always a range too. So don't, so don't forget that. It's always like um, it's stable at room temperature, which is 25 degrees to 37 degrees Celsius. So there are ranges, but honestly, some things just cannot go past a certain um, uh, temperature without becoming unstable. The interesting thing about the, the FDA approval that I was doing a bit of side gooking on yeah. is um, manufacturers of biomedical equipment need FDA approval for the equipment if they are supplying them to a third party. But mm-hmm. if you are using it yourself, you don't need FDA approval. So yes. the Edison machines, the machines themselves, as used by Theranos, never needed FDA approval because they weren't being supplied to a third party. This blew my little tiny performing arts mind. (laughs) Sarah, don't get me started on the FDA because there is so much on. (laughs) Yeah, no, literally. Like Mm -hmm. if you look, um, I would really recommend if people are curious about this to listen to the podcast maintenance phase, which talks a lot about um, like anti-fat bias in um, basically society, but they take it from a super academic standpoint and they have an episode on how um, like a, several like very dangerous diet pills got FDA approval and how that works. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, or also um, season two of the podcast, The Dream, um, where they talk about like wellness culture also really gets into that. But it's like, there is so much shit that people are swearing by that people are selling to you because you, like, you're the product that like mm-hmm. they want you uh, that is so dangerous that it's just on the shelves and it, it, it quote, doesn't need FDA approval. It's bullshit. Exactly. No, like no vitamins really need FDA approval. It is, it is a mind fuck how like the FDA works because um, there are things that are designated that need FDA approval and things that aren't. 
Um, most COVID uh, testing technology right now is working under emergency use authorization for FDA, which means they're not FDA approved. It just means that under emergency situation, this is an emergent situation, FDA has um, looked at it enough, basically, in order for you to be able to do this testing, but they are, but they can caveat it as an EUA, you know, and you know, I'm, I'm going to not go into the FDA too much, but it, it truly is. If it's one of those things, like if you can find the money f- to find the loopholes, you can find the loopholes. Um, and there's a good, there's a good documentary food Inc that talks about the, the FDA and the USDA and how our preparation with food, how they're the one thing they're supposed to do is monitor how food preparation happens. And sometimes they don't do that. So it is it is amazing how you can get away with things <laughs> if uh, you can get around governing bodies. And this is exactly what Theranos did. Like you said, Sarah, they they kept their Edison's on their site and their labs. And they claimed that, you know, they'll send the blood to there. They would use the Edison's. They wanted to put them in, in Walgreens and stuff like that. But you have to do peer reviewed journals. You have to be FDA approved. Even if you don't do FDA approval, peer reviewed, peer reviewed like um, studies is is the way to go so that other other studies that are not under your umbrella can test your technology and be like, okay, yeah, what they're saying, uh, what they're presenting is correct. And I, as an independent researcher, have double checked the, uh, the, the numbers that they have given me. I have done my own research and I agree with this. By locking that down and saying we will not be doing peer-reviewed research because it's proprietary, it's patented, um, you know, we don't want them to steal our technology. I can't believe they got away with that so long for so long because it's like this this is science, you know. This is once you have the patent, you're you know, you're supposed to be able to keep that patent, they shouldn't be able to like steal your idea or whatever. This is science, like you can't just say oh they were presenting that they were 95% uh, sensitive um for what was it uh, syphilis i think um mm-hmm. in some of the one of the later episodes they brought up to her but they were deleting all of the outliers so oh god i'm talking so much science right now well no, and th- that's the, the thing too though is like um this is super interesting and i think most people will value like the getting into the science of it is like a new true crime perspective i feel like on the story that we've all heard a million times thank you so what alerted um the incredible erica chung who yes. was the whistleblower in the um in the lab yes. if you don't know the story I'm, I'm sure everyone knows the story but this is one of the things that she brought up to the lab lab director and i think this was a beautiful uh performance um by the actress portraying erica and can i just t- stop down and say yay whistleblowers all over yay. the world <laughs> blow that whistle um and i'm glad that there are laws in in the united states to protect uh whistleblowers which was the route she went when she when she reported to a federal um agency yeah. but she she I, I think that the show does a really good job of not overloading us with the science but certainly stepping us through the science so through erica going to the in the in the in the um docudrama going to the lab director and and questioning taking out the outliers and that small conversation where he's saying yes that's what we're going to do and her being confused we 
the lay viewer, the non-science educated viewer, were, we, oh, we've got it, we can see what they're doing. You know, mm-hmm. having never heard outliers, having never heard any of that, that small scene uh, sort of gave me the science that I needed to tell me how they were getting their results that were, that, that were very glowing and how uh, Erica started to become incredibly uh, distressed about the situation. Yeah, and Erica is a real one because the second she saw something was wrong, she said something, she stepped up. And, like, I I think that this case also gives so much press to Tyler Schultz, who um, is, like, the public, like, quote, first whistleblower. Mm -hmm. But I think the show did a very good job of showing why Tyler Schultz was empowered to do that because mm-hmm. he has money he has influence his family can pay hundreds of thousand dollars in legal fees so he can publicly step up and say this um whereas someone like Erica who um as you know said in comes from more humble beginnings and doesn't have you know the like she, she literally is like I can't lose my job and is almost mm-hmm. going to continue onward even though she knows it's a problem um whereas Tyler like yeah, he can get fired. He'll be fine. His life will be fine. He is a rich white man. He mm-hmm. he will be fine. But I don't think he would have said anything if Erica hadn't like convinced him to. Oh, I completely agree with that. I, I completely agree with that. And I loved everything about Erica's character. And we're here, so we might as well just jump here. Erica, they moved Erica to the Normandy lab, right? And in the Normandy lab, this is the later episodes. We're now at the mm-hmm. later episodes. We'll, we'll go back. A, listen, it's eight Forget. episodes. We're going to just bounce yeah, around. We're just going to... Oh, spoilers about You've all seen it. You've all seen it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Erica is working late night in the lab on Thanksgiving because she's the newbie, which happens a lot. Um, and she's trying to give this patient a result. You know, she's using the Theranos cartridge to give a result, but the QC is failing. And whenever a QC fails, you are not allowed to uh, release any of those results until you get QC to pass. Like QC is that quality control? Quality control, yes. Okay, yeah. And different instruments have different uh, QC requirements. Uh, Some instruments have daily QC where you have to do quality control every every day. Some have it every eight hours. Some have it once every shipment. Like that's how how it depends on on the assay and 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 the test and all that. But the moral of the story is she was trying to bring the QC in and it wasn't working. She calls somebody, some shadowy figure from R&D comes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Just, that, like, that was scary. Like, that woman it. was a ghoul. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, she, like, hovered and, like, she was floating off the ground in, like, a black gown, like a Dementor, just to, like, <laughs> type in the password to give the results anyways. And, like, thankfully, we get Erica, who at every point, she is used to be, as we said, like our mirror into the science. And she like yes. explains why that is so bad, um, yes. but is, you know, pushed out again. Like also we're diluting blood samples to run them through existing technology. What? And like, let me tell you again, I'm not a scientist, but it just didn't, it did not sit right with Don't me. Don't make sense. Don't make sense. I was sitting there like, how do you, how do you dilute a, what are y'all testing for? I think she said vitamin D. I was like, I guess, because there's no, there is nothing that you can do with that blood sample once you dilute it for any type of like hematology based testing. So I was, I was floored when I saw that. And isn't there an issue too, when you do a blood prick that, a prick um, on the, the finger that unlike putting a needle into a vein, sorry, everybody. Uh-huh. Um, okay. 
that there are you know uh, other other items that come with that blood like skin cells and i mean you're not getting venous blood Sarah, there are so many reasons why you cannot take a capillary drop of blood from a finger and try and run analytes on it that can only properly be resulted or analyzed from venous blood. Like there, there truly is. (laughs) Well, that's the thing too, is it's just like all of these issues just compound to show like how truly how evil all of this is um but like even if you want to say that elizabeth holmes started with the best of intentions which i think is you know spurious at best uh (laughs) certainly did not end up that way can we talk about my darling naveen andrews who i was just so happy to see i didn't mind his little fat belly uh playing (laughs) sunny balwani we have to talk about sunny i mean so we so I want to get your your guys's opinion ab- about uh Sunny. He he basically meets Elizabeth when she is on a um in, in like episode 1 or 2. Like a they language meet, retreat? Yes. They're in a Mandarin program, an immersive Mandarin program where Stanford I, I think it was uh, Stanford sent them to China like for the uh, summer and they immersed them into a Mandarin um, program so that she could learn Mandarin so that everybody yeah, could I learn think it was Mandarin. Pre- pre-stamp. It's the, oh, the summer before she went. Yeah. I, okay. I think. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Oh, I, yeah. It was okay. the summer before. Yeah. It was the summer before. Summer yeah, before yeah, yeah. she went. Yeah. Because um, okay. remember, she's um, heating up the ramen and she's trying to talk to the hot guy and be like, Did you know I'm going to Stanford? And he's like, right. I don't know what you're saying. I'm bad at this. <laughs> yes, exactly. And she <sighs> wasn't really connecting with any of the peers, any of her peers. And there was Sunny. I don't know. Did anybody catch his age at this point? He was. So- she was, uh, I believe that he was 14 years older than her. So she okay. was 17. He 17. was 31. 30. Gotcha. Um, but uh, let me uh, confirm that while you guys go into this. Yeah, so at that so, point, he, he'd already made and sold uh, very profitably a software company. Mm-hmm. Oh, he, yeah. was he was 19 like, years older. Woo! So he's 36. Yeah. Or no, 37, because she was 18. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sarah, he had already he had already sold and was profitable for a healthcare company. They for a software company. He did not have a healthcare background. Was it was it it was software company? Software, yeah. Yeah. Software Software company. My bad. It's been a minute since I saw those first episodes. Yeah. I just I know people will back. come for you. If, like, I feel like people don't get upset about like the smallest details. The small so I'm just don't like, yeah, let me, let me get then, it. Like, leave yeah. them alone. Thank and you. So, Otherwise, so, we have to have a whole section at the beginning of the next episode apologizing for everything we got wrong. <laughs> no, that and, next episode you have a recording from me being like, you leave them alone or else. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so they strike up an unlikely friendship. Uh, yeah, it, it turned sexual. It does, well, not there. They, they didn't have sex in China. Turned sexual later. Well, as far as we know, right. because right. you know, there's there's still quite um, it, you know, the reels uh, yeah. uh guarded about this relationship. She uh, just to jump out into her trial, which finished in January with with conviction on some of the uh the. Uh, the uh, charges and not others. She claims that he was emotionally and physically abusive. We believe yes. women. Um, mm-hmm. They were originally to be tried together. They severed uh, the trials because 
basically she was going to lay a lot of blame on onto him. Right. And uh, poor Sonny's going second, right? So he's he's currently in court now, uh, wow. and they are holding her um, her her. Uh, sentencing, thank you, until mm-hmm. September, and the thought is that she might help them with their with their uh, prosecution of of Sunny. So it's all it's all quite uh, sticky. Um, but as far as the dropout, the docudrama tells us they the relationship was not sexual for uh, for quite some time, and certainly uh, well into the beginnings of Theranos. Yeah, until they until he came back to basically save her because she was about to be ousted as CEO, but she brought him on as an investor, which saved her spot. This is where I want to ask you guys, how did you feel about Sonny's portrayal in the show? Um, let me start with Kirsten. Yeah, so it is it's really hard to because there's not like that much known about their private lives right and so obviously like when we hear about someone being abusive uh Mm -hmm. again like we want to believe women but also Elizabeth Holmes is not a reliable narrator (laughs) right so it's like was she honest that one time maybe Mm -hmm. like I would believe I would believe it absolutely but I also could see her like using it and they use even in that that sorry not to go back to Elizabeth too much but like they go use in that moment mm-hmm. where she like copies the Apple store employee to like have emotion to like be seen as like yes that so I, I could see it falling into that but I think they do such an incredible job painting a very complex narrative like narrative mm. about Sunny where at first you're like yeah it's weird that this older guy is hanging out with this younger girl but also you know what they're the only two people in the program taking it seriously they both really want to be able to speak Mandarin fluently they get along really well when Elizabeth doesn't want to dance he says no problem and we don't see the relationship turn sexual and then mm-hmm. over time um, he kind of based on when he comes back into her life becomes kind of a protective role um which makes a very Uh weird power dynamic and then we see how that dynamic shifts their relationship and how the camaraderie between them turned into um like a very negative energy where like passion turning to anger kind of situation and i think they painted a very nuanced portrayal of what might have happened question mark because we don't know we don't know that it was like that like do we have an account of him dumping green juice on her well we have the 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 great uh lindsay wilson pointed out that while this show was being made their text messages in in real world were being brought into evidence in her trial and so that uh lindsay does point out that um Towards the later episodes of the dropout, we hear her calling him Tiger and him mm-hmm. calling her baby, and that came up from the um, text messages. So they were oh. quickly putting those in. And thanks, um, thanks, Lindsay, for that insight. Yeah, I Lindsay thought that is was fascinating. Is an icon, legend, and genius. Amazing. She's also working on her PhD in epidemiology, so a great Ooh. resource uh, mm-hmm. in in this uh, this case as well. Um, the other thing too. Uh, I don't know. The their texts are so weird. I, I just saw that <laughs> some of their texts had come up in Sunny's trial within the last couple of weeks, and it's literally him being like, "I am in control of Theranos," and it's like, did Elizabeth take his phone, like send a text, like to herself, like because I could see her doing. That. Yeah, and they show him throughout the, especially the final episodes, being very aggressive with um 
hate to use the word, but they were using the, they He was very aggressive with like the sources when they, they thought that they could root out who the sources were. We saw him flying to Arizona and basically threatening the, the doctors not to um, go forward with the article. He was, he yelled, he was yelling at Mark from a balcony. Don't you, don't you, uh, like, uh, Mark, send we will emails. sue you. We will yeah. sue you. Delete the emails. Delete. Like they really, yeah. They use him as like the enforcer of yes. their house. And, and that's why I was kind of like, I don't know how I feel about this portrayal because they, they truly are. It, it felt like they were shifting it. Like just like Elizabeth was going to do in her trial or did in her trial, shifting the blame onto him when, you know, I, I don't think he did anything that she wouldn't have wanted him to do. Just how we got the 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 part where um they're like, oh, we have a Siemens machine here. Um, great instruments to work with, by the way. And they're like, Well, open it up and we'll and we'll we'll figure out um you know, we'll figure out what's inside. And they're like, yeah. you, you ethnically, ethnically, ethically can't do that. And then they come back at night and she's telling him to do it. He's like, I already did it. Like you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I really, truly really feel they went hand in hand, but. Well, it's just like how we see when she's drunk and tells him that they lied uh, and used a fake reading in the test in Sweden. And he goes, don't tell yeah. anyone else that you've told me. Like, he's on board from day one with the with the fraud of it all. Yes. Um, but so was she. Exactly, exactly. And with these two performers, and this is a, such an extraordinary piece of writing. I mean, the problem with biopics is that we don't live our lives in a narratively satisfying way. So mm-hmm. to craft the, the biopic is, 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 can be a real, you know, work of art to, to give it that, that narrative flow. But the apotheosis, if I may, of these two performers with the writers is the scene where they turn on each other so mm, quietly, yeah. so subtly, with such that she just looks at him and says, what did you do? Mm-hmm. Did you do something I don't know anything about? And you go, she's already planning her defence. And the scene and he's stroking her hair and then he asks Weird. her where she's going to live. Yeah, And they're both basically going to their corners and so much more effective than shouting or throwing things or being violent. This incredible, these two minds just turning to their own protection, like, animals basically i thought was an incredible performance by by amanda and naveen if i may call them by their first names yes. and i actually i i can't even believe this i didn't even recognize naveen like he just he didn't even look like the man i've seen before right i so mm-hmm. i feel like they did a very good job and then when you look up pictures of the real um sunny balwani uh, ramesh balwani uh they don't look alike, but the, he got the oh, really? expression in the face dead on, like that that like in like kind of enforcer, um, neutral to angry face. Like they really nailed the expression that you see in pretty much every picture of Ramesh Balwani mm, online, which yeah. I was really impressed with. Yeah, I see it. They basically made every character hotter, which is what they do. do. Well, it's true. <laughs> They truly did. Yes, and, and exactly. And I, I loved, I loved you. I saw, I heard your reference, uh, Kirsten, of uh, Elizabeth throwing stuff in a bag. <laughs> yeah, I listen, okay? I just, well, I watched it and then I just rewatched it this weekend, okay? Yes. Uh, so I, I, I think, I think, is there anything else we want to talk about from um, any of the episodes, any moments that stand out um, to you guys? 
while we, we wrap up and do our recommendations and all of that before we do that. Any just fantastical moments. Like I I didn't know anything about Elizabeth Holmes' early life. So I did like I did like knowing more about her, but I did feel like they were a lot they were very sympathetic in the beginning. And maybe that's because they wanted you to turn on her in the the end. Yeah, I I, I was very worried uh, when I watched episode one. I thought, oh no, mm-hmm. is this the Elizabeth Holmes apology tour? Right. But I think that it was a very clever way to draw you in and then turn you slowly against her as step by step she she reveals herself either she changes i don't think people change i think they're like that from the start and they get opportunities to break bad uh so as she breaks bad my only thing about it overall is i wonder if it's a very slightly too long but uh mm-hmm. i i had a very positive response to this um to this uh, docudrama how about you Kirsten yeah I absolutely loved it I think one thing I could not ignore uh William H Macy as Richard yes. Hughes oh, oh yeah. His, yeah, yeah yeah his performance <laughs> was so incredible I love mm-hmm. just like the the concept of just like an angry old man who's like pissed off that he was disrespected by a young girl and then that right. triggers like one of the biggest like whistleblower like campaign like ever like it's exactly. wild like you, you technically should not be on his side because he tried to like maneuver, patent maneuver he her, to scam her because yes. she's mad. Oh, yeah, it was, it was really, it was really funny. But yes, exactly. Thank you so much, uh, Kirsten. William H Macy, amazing. Any other shout outs before I Stephen start? Fry. Yeah, Stephen Fry, yeah. and Ian <laughs> Gibbons, and Ian Gibbons' story is super tragic and horrible. And when I you didn't read. Know it. When you read yeah. what actually happens, it was actually he completed suicide the night before he was going to have to testify. So the show makes it look like they had given him a way out of testifying and he, you know, uh, made a different decision. But in re- he was uh, he was going to testify the next day and he just couldn't do it. And it's See, so sad. I've watched The Inventor. I've watched uh, like at least two documentaries on it and read. I don't think it was the Wall Street Journal, but I read an article on it when it like back in the day when they when it first broke. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember them anybody referring to Ian Gibbons. Um, maybe I missed it, but that part really did shock me. I was like, I oh my gosh. I hadn't heard yeah. about that at all. He he's out of the picture. He he dies by suicide um earlier in the story, as it were. Uh so wonderful that the dropout really puts uh puts a, a light onto him. And we hear from his his widow in the inventor as well. But I think when the okay. newspaper articles are coming out, it's like there's a there. There is unfortunately a larger story, so it's great that that um, that Ian and and his widow are given are given you know the the time that they are in the both the dropout and the inventor. Yes, um, yeah, I would say one of the things that this biopic or docudrama, whatever you want to call it, does really well that some of them didn't. I, I the acting was really good in this, like it was really good, and I think it was shot in a way that didn't feel. Um, like there was fantastical stuff happening, um, but it did not feel uh, overly exaggerated. Does that make sense? Yes. Like I was mm-hmm. like, "Yep, this yeah. all makes sense. This sounds like a slippery slope into hell." <laughs> you know, like I, it, I, I, I hate to bring it up, but like inventing Anna, like I could not get through inventing Anna personally, just because like it just felt, it all felt fake. 
to be <laughs> inventing Anna, which I don't know if that was the what they were going for, but it just I think it was the, select, the selection of the narrator. I didn't care about that journalist, and as soon as you don't care about her, you're, you're dead with inventing Anna. Um, I mean, I watched the whole thing very mm-hmm. grimly. Uh, I think it was a very <laughs> poor uh, choice because – uh, the journalist, as portrayed in Inventing Anna, is deeply unprofessional uh, mm. and um, I didn't care about her and not caring about her meant that I had to watch her for, you know, 50% of the time. Right. Um, but, yes, um, uh, these, are the, the, these are the scam years, right, with mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, these people taking people for a ride. Be careful out there, everybody. Use yes. your brain. Use yeah. your senses. And if someone is telling you that someone put $30,000 into their bank account because they invested in crypto and you just have to trust their friend and click the link, <laughs> that is a scam. Do not click the link. Expect that you're going to get $30,000. Um, uh-uh. Just uh, live your life like you are so poor that you have to be skeptical of it. I don't have any money to lose. I am that poor. But if you're not yeah. that poor, live like you are. Yes. yes. And if you are if you have money to like spare, you can send it to me. I will take yeah. care of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so before we get to our um, magnifying glasses and recommendations, I just want to give you the update uh, on the verdict. We've referred to it. Uh, I would recommend that you listen to the January 5th episode of the Dropout podcast. Uh, it's entitled Verdict, and it'll give you a really detailed account about uh, and very straightforward. It's about 50 minutes. It's a really good listen. Uh, they talk to a couple of the jurors and they examine the verdict in detail and they make their predictions for the Sunny Balwani trial. So that's that's a really good place to go. Yes, exactly. Um, let's move on to some recommendations. Of course, like I've already said it, um, the inventor out for blood in Silicon Valley. I, I did watch that one when it came out because I was like, Yes. Um, Sarah, you have the talking heads uh, that was on that here? Yeah, I mean, I would reckon, look, it depends on whether you like, some people like documentaries, some people like docudramas. I like both. Mm-hmm. If yeah, you're going same. to watch both, I would watch The Inventor first, the documentary, mm-hmm. and then The Dropout because I think they illuminate each other. But you can, if, if you're interested because of The Dropout, go and watch The Inventor. Uh, it's uh, directed by Alex Gibney, and the talking heads are very interesting. The New Yorker journalist, Ken Aletta, who, uh, if you're a New Yorker reader, he does the just does profiles and he did a very positive profile of uh, our friend Elizabeth uh, as as did fortune journalist Roger Parloff and they are both present and very very interesting and they have a lot of really good insight obviously we they they have Wall Street journalist a uh, Wall Street Journal journalist uh, John Carreyrou um, and his book Bad Blood and the other right. person that's absolutely fascinating they have is a man called Dan Ariely excuse me if I mispronounce that, he's a behavioural economist. So he's not connected to the case, but what he talks about is how people behave around money, as the name name suggests. And he has a fascinating um, example of a dice game where you throw dice uh, to receive a certain amount of money. You can say if you mentally thought, oh, I'll take the top or the bottom number, how if you're hooked up to a, a lie detector, if the money is for yourself, the lie detector detects the lie. If the money is for a charity, 
the lie detector does not detect the lie. So one of the things that he talks about is that that idea or that sheen of the greater good can make people, uh, you know, do bad things, uh, you know, using the devil's money to do God's work. So it, it's really worth um, worth a look. And you'll also hear from uh, some of the real people involved, including um, uh, the young man whose name escapes me, Tyler, and uh, Erica. So I, um, I couldn't recommend that highly enough. Kirsten, do you have any recommendations? They don't have to be about this case in oh. particular, but maybe something like... Um, I've, I've got some recommendations. Don't oh, worry. God. Sorry, Sarah, okay, give me yes. the warning. So, um, <laughs> okay, if, if people are into docudramas and you want yes. more of that, um, I would highly recommend watching Dirty John. Seasons 1 and Season okay. 2 is also really mm-hmm. good. Um, season 2, they cover the Betty Broderick story, which is um, deeply fascinating and it's acted really, really well. Yes. Um, so, would highly recommend that. Um, this what we recorded today is a podcast about a docu-series that is based on a podcast. So if you like <laughs> true crime podcasts, um, I always recommend um, Unraveled. They've had like four or five Ooh. seasons and it is so good. Every season's been different. Um, I think, Mari, you would love season two. They talk about um, expert testimonies and how a lot of forensic science is not super rigorous. I think you would yes. love that. Um, and their current season is on one and done killers who do like one incredibly heinous crime and then just never do it again. And they are oh, a lot of them yes. getting caught right now with genetic genealogy, um, as well as if you want more scam. This is also a podcast, um, Twin Flames, Stephanie Beatriz, uh, from, uh, Encanto and Brooklyn Nine-Nine is the host of Twin Flames on Wondry. And they cover, um, this total, like, cult of the, like, Twin Flame relationship situation. And it is very dark and very good. It's only six episodes. I listened to it in, like, a day. I love Stephanie Beatrice. She's so good. Oh, and Twin so Flames good. was incredible. Like it is mm-hmm. absolutely stunning. Um, the way we'll, she tells the story. Yeah, we'll put all these uh, in the show notes, of course. I'm like subscribing to some right yeah, now. Literally <laughs> subscribe to the pods. Oh, and if you want a documentary, I, I this where it's a couple weeks late. It's gotten a lot of buzz, but the Puppet Master on Netflix blew my mind. Mm-hmm. People keep yeah. People have suggested the Puppet Master to us. I have not gotten a chance to watch it yet. Once you start watching it, you'll be into it. It is about mm. like a scammer fraudster guy, and it like goes into like his start in university in Ireland and how he like pretended that he was like like a spy for the Secret Service and that another <laughs> student was like um a terrorist and how he like took these people and like got all their money and then it's like some people have gotten out but then there's like one woman who is still with him and totally brain like he is a wild scam it is it is insane it's only three episodes and it will fly by like maybe we'll get you to come maybe we'll get you to come back and talk about that with us so good Mm. but yeah sorry i give True crime is my passion. Yes, us too. Yes, yes, exactly. Okay, so um, of course, at Crime Scene, we are eager to hear your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. You can follow us, uh, follow Crime Scene on Twitter at Crime Scene R H A P. That's C R I M E S E E N R H A P. Or you can email us. Uh, send an email to Crime Scene R H A P at Gmail dot com. Kirsten. Tell the people where they can find you. 
Yes. So if you liked hearing from me, I talk about all kinds of nonsense that's not so serious as crime. Um, I have a weekly (laughs) BoJack Horseman podcast with the uh, the aforementioned Lindsay Wilson, BoJack Horse Pod. I talk about Riverdale on Kowski Cast. And I talk about Temptation Island right now on the Hot Dummies on Islands wrap up feed, which uh, may or may not interest you. But if you like true crime, you might like pop culture celebrity gossip because I do think at our core... We are all gossips and we love drama that we are not involved in. And a very new wrap up is starting. Uh, the first episode is dropping, uh, the week of recording, uh, April 18th, uh, 2022. Not sure when this podcast dropping, but whatever. We're, jo- it's coming out now. <laughs> um, myself and Sasha Joseph are the two co-hosts of Mess Magnets, a pop culture podcast where we will be breaking down you know, trending topics, celeb gossip, pop culture, all of that kind of stuff. And we're going to do it from a perspective of if you've just like seen the trending topic and you don't know what it's about, we'll be right there to make sense of it for you. And we will also be sharing listener mess as well. Um, people, listeners can anonymously submit their gossip and mess for us to, to talk about. It. And we're so excited for it. And, you know, it's a new podcast. We're only approved for like six episode run. So we would love uh, if people could come show some support. Absolutely yes. awesome. And before Excited you go, that. do you do you have do you have an Elizabeth Holmes for us? One line. There's just the one line. Okay, I can only do one line, and it's very much Amanda Seyfried doing Elizabeth Holmes. About just like this is an inspiring step forward. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. That's how I feel about mess magnets. It's an inspiring step forward. It's an inspiring step forward. <laughs> inspiring step forward. Sarah, where um, can the people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Sarah Carradine. Uh, I'm finishing up. Uh, Bridgerton season two with the dark walk, which includes Kirsten and also uh, Sasha Joseph and Geneva Guadalupe. That's over on post show recaps. Uh, we're about to do the last two and then who knows what happens next. I guess it's season three. <laughs> uh, also over there, you can uh, hear me talk about our flag means death, hashtag renew our flag means death. We're all pushing for a second season. It's the gay pirate show, gay, 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 gay. If you haven't yeah. got into it, what are you doing? Get into it. Uh, what about you, Murray? Where can people find you? Okay. As of right now, the wrestling wrap up is on a hiatus. Uh, so other than here on Crime Scene, you can find me on the Atlanta Recap Podcast over on Post Show Recaps, uh, where me, Chappelle, and Latanya Starks uh, do a episodic review of season three of Atlanta. So me and Chappelle just dropped the last episode uh, on this past Sunday. If you are watching the show, please go listen to our podcast because we we're trying to make heads and tail of this new season just like you are. So come speculate with us um, and go check us out on post show recaps. Uh, other than that, uh, next time on Crime Scene, we're covering uh, Bad Sport, which is a yes. fantastic series on Netflix, uh, and the episode we're looking at is called Gold War. Uh, yes. Fascinating. Uh, ice skating scandal. So again, I'm sorry nobody dies. We gave you a dead body. <laughs> oh my god! We gave, you, we gave you a dead body last week. You murder ghouls. Uh, we're giving you ice skating, very attractive sequins, and uh, the whiff of 
cheating. We're doing that in uh, collaboration with the Great Grace Leader and her Offspeed podcast. So that will be mm-hmm. our next episode. Before we go, of course, we should give our magnifying glasses out of five, whether oh, we recommend uh, mm-hmm. dropout. Um, yes. I have had messages from people saying, oh, I really like your format. And I thought, oh, we can't disappoint them. Uh, yes. We don't give our magnifying <laughs> glasses out of five. But Kirsten, Kirsten, what would you say? Yeah, so, you know, I'm coming in as like the substitute teacher. So I feel like I can be nice uh, more so than anyone else. I, 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 I Honestly, I give a four and a half magnifying glasses. I think this is a really well done um, docu-series. I feel like they give you the full well, like wealth of the experience and, you know, how something like Theranos happens. I loved it. I would absolutely recommend it. And I think everyone should watch it. And what about you, Mari? Same. I would, I would give it, I'm trying to decide if I want to give it exactly what Kirsten did or go up to a five. I think I'm going to go 4.5 because there's nothing, I want that five to be a very high standard because I agree. I, I liked everything about it. I normally am not the biggest fan of docudramas, docuseries, whatever, because sometimes I feel like they're overdone. Um, so this one actually really hit the mark on, on a, on a lot of things for me. So yeah, I'll go with 4.5 as well. How about you, Sarah? Well, I'm going to give it four. I thought it was extremely good. For me, it was a little long. Uh, I had a few mm, too many true. scenes of her geeing herself up. With, I think the use of music was incredible. There was just a little bit too much. I thought, oh, yeah, I get it. You can move on now. No, I could have but, watched it forever. I could have had well, two more episodes. There we go. <laughs> that's, that's why we have the different um, the different minds on it. So I'm going to give it four, but just a little side magnifying glass. I'm going to give five to the documentary, The Inventors, because to yeah. me it was that good uh-huh. so join us uh, next week and until we do that we'd like to thank will from america for the amazing theme music and scott st pierre behind the scenes until next time case, case closed, closed. <laughs>